Salt City is a Mongolian podcast on urbanization with a focus on public participation and sustainability. We usually do our episodes in Mongolian. However, this is a special English episode because we have a very special guest today. We have Dr. Andrea Shigu today with us. She's a research scientist at MIT that uncovers innovation in the built environment. She's the co-founder and director of the Real Estate Innovation Lab, which is an interdisciplinary team that identifies innovative products, processes, and technologies and their financial and economic impact. Andrea is also a co-founder and the head of research for DesignX. I met her when I went to MIT last September, and she kindly agreed to be on the podcast. And we discussed the intersection of urbanism and technology on this episode. Here's our interview. So what is happening with technology in the urban, urban environment? And why do we need to innovate in the built environment, in the real estate sector? Well, change, like when we talk about uh, technology and when we talk about change, we need, we need a bundle of, of things like technologies to, to help us uh, enable change. But we also need it to make life better. I mean, the fundamental definition of technology is uh, tools and products and processes and uses and organizational frameworks and things that we use every day as humans to make our lives better. That's actually mm-hmm. the basis of technology. We kind of associate that word with like really fancy movies and um, gadgets and gizmos, but <laughs> um, yeah. we, we're pretty old school at using technology. You know, we've got wheels and pulleys and mm-hmm. um, so technology has been around for a long time. But I think what's happening with technology now is that it's becoming... Um, it's doing this really cool thing where it's it's trying to mimic our human experience more and more um, through data, data science, mm-hmm. and uh, digital tools, digital computing tools like computers and smartphones and and sensors and what's not. So we're utilizing a lot of digital technologies um, to sort of mimic our our human experience and, and sort of um, follow us around. So that that is what's ultimately sort of changing in a way that is becoming more apparent. We've been we've been going at that um, probably for about 70 years now. So it's not it's not like really new. Um, but we're at this really interesting point where it's getting faster. And we're as a society, more and more of us are starting to engage in these digital tools mm-hmm. in this digital realm. And for a long time, the built environment sort of kept themselves out of it. So the urban environment, the real estate sector said, no, no, we're, we're really not a part of this digitization thing um, or this, you know, this utilizing data science and computing tools. Um, that's really something that's left to, you know, the likes of the, you know, the, the technology oriented companies like Amazon or Facebook or Baidu or something like this, you know, where they were selling applications on phones, right? That that's more of the that domain that everyone was thinking. But the built environment has, you know, data too. And then just to make this really simple, you know, what is data? When we think real big picture, like what is data? And if you had to really like dig into its nuts and bolts and its foundation, it's just a collection of stories. It's like we keep collecting features of people's stories and people's experiences and then systematically sort of following that in some sort of framework. That's what data Mm -hmm. is. And so when we're computing that data, we're computing the experiences of lots and lots of different people or lots and lots of different stories or lots and lots of different buildings for that matter. 
And so what we do in the lab is we, we try to like sort of explain or understand like how these stories are coming together to create new ways that people come together in the built environment. And so one of the things, say, for example, that's really taken off um, around the globe, I mean, everywhere, you know, everywhere we turn, there's this organizational technology, this sort of transformation of a bundle of technologies in the built environment that's enabled people to come together and co-work. Co-working is like this big word now in, in real estate and urban environments where people are saying, oh, everybody's coming together to co-work and share their computing resources and their all sorts of resources together so that they can innovate and, and, you know, make entrepreneurial startups and bump into each other and make these new changes. And so co-working is one of these experiences where you say, ah, I'm digitizing, I'm utilizing data and I'm computing and I'm bringing that into a physical environment. And that's, you know, stumbling into the urban environment and it's, it's transforming things a little bit. Um, it's transforming how we use the built environment. Um, and transforming how we experience it. Yeah, that's a wonderful way to put it. I really like the data as a story, <laughs> people's story, because we just think data as a, this very binary, mm -hmm. cold, harsh reality, but that's it, it's true that it's a story. Um, so I think people would be also interested in, as you mentioned, in the movies, they, there are these versions of the city that are just, you know, like completely different mm -hmm. than we, as we know, uh, the cities as now, you know, like all glittering, shining neon lights and all that. Um, but what do you see as the city in, in the next 30 to 50 years or even like 100 years, like your vision of the future city? Um, that's a great question. I think the first thing that came to mind, um, especially because we're talking about data and data as human stories, um, is that it would be very responsive, very mindful of our human experiences and be very responsive to what we need the built environment or the urban environment to, to be for us. So uh, transportation would be very responsive to what we would need. Um, our physical working environments would be very mindful of our health and well-being. Mm -hmm. It would be sustainable. It would be in, you know, climate change resilient. It would be be very mindful of a, of a whole bundle of um, values um, that we have. It would also be able to work with us in a way that would help us to to create and to design and to think. So in a sort of, a, <laughs> if I was, you know, working for, for Marvel and making one of their next movies and designing, you know, like the next city in like a Black Panther movie, right? Um, I would envision something not so much filled with, gadgets per se well although a wakanda is really really beautiful and stunning it's like smart connected green it's um you know filled with this amazing um materials and whatnot but i think more than anything it's it would be mindful of the people it would be mindful mm -hmm. of the creations that they want to make um so it would aid and assist them from a technology standpoint so you know automation and robotics would be present but it would be there very much to help and aid and take care of people. That would be, that would be my very utopian <laughs> um, <laughs> dream for it. Um, I, of course, I'm not naive. I know that there are positive and negative forces at work at any given point in time, but, you know, as a data scientist, you know, I would always push towards um, the best of our stories being listened to and being worked into, you know, a very mindful and responsive built environment. Mm-hmm. It sounds wonderful. Yeah. I would want to live in that city. <laughs> <laughs> I 
I want the bus to come on time. Yes, great. Yeah, yeah. And uh, would you see like the would you see that future for more developed cities or for more developing cities? Because I feel like you know, looking at Ulaanbaatar and the way its tra trajectory is heading, I feel like we're repeating the same mistakes you know, developed cities uh, made twenty, thirty, forty years ago, and we're just going through that, and you know, it feels like a vicious cycle, just catching up. Basically. Yeah, yeah. So, do you think developing cities need to you know go through that experience of failing and you know learning from that instead of just you know <laughs> you know just going to that big leap yeah. in the urban technology? I think our concern is that these technology development in the urban context are often discussed in the developed countries most of the time, you know, in the nicest, most comfortable, livable cities in the world, rather than, you know, s cities with slums or cities with uh, tough environment, cities like ours. So what do you think about that? No, I think that's a great question. So when we talk about, and, and so I think it's important to, to do a bit of a, you know, a distinction between g big general purpose um, technologies and um, technologies that are applicable to say to a specific sector as a different example, right? For the urban environment and sort of the transformation of, you know, buildings build, I mean, buildings are very old technologies, right? We've had buildings for forever. Um, mm. <laughs> they're part of our original infrastructure. We had roads and we had buildings. Yeah. Um, and, and the, the modes in which we, you know, we maneuver between them has changed. But the way in which we we transform and make these mass changes is, um, it seems to me that we take a couple steps forward, and then we slow, and then we take a couple steps forward and we slow, and I feel like that happens across, you know, the global built environment. And there are spurts of like of cities all around the globe that they get developed at a specific time when a specific type of technology was in development or in vogue. And it's, it was what was spread. And then that was the time and that is the technology. And that is the sort of the structure and that is the culture. And that is the design construct that is sort of embedded um, deeply in that city for all time. Right. And so if I look at a place like, gosh, if you look at Beijing right now, or if you mm -hmm. look at, you look at parts of Tokyo, or if you look in, you look in Sydney, or if you look in San Francisco, they have like a fabric, an urban fabric to them that is like of a time and of a place. And the technologies that are sort of the literal physical infrastructure of those cities, like the roads and the pipes and whatnot, they're of that time. Um, and every time we want to make a technological advancement um, from that time, it is a huge push. There are parts of the Boston, you know, subway system that are still from a hundred years ago, right? Um, yeah. There is parts of the New York City subway system that's from like 150 years ago, and so there's there's something to these cities that sort of keeps part of these technologies really encased in the time in which they're in, which embeds, you know, this feeling of repeating repeating past failures, like we're just going to go around in a circle and over and over and over again to put like duct tape, um, older, that, that's really hardcore tape, um, <laughs> to try to solve the problem. Um, instead of actually going in and taking the latest technology and, it, and enabling that to come forward. 
Whereas it mm-hmm. seems like there are parts of, say, um, the Middle East, parts of China, parts of South America, um, and certainly parts of parts of Africa, and particularly southern countries in Africa, where there is just this mass urbanization happening mm-hmm. um, from lots of capital, where there's all of these new technologies that are being deployed to make these cities now. And so it looks like they're jumping ahead, but they'll they'll jump. jumping ahead is the wrong word it's like they arrive at this time and then they will Mm -hmm. embed they will embed you know with this period of technologies um for a while um until the physical and the functional and the economics of that type of technologies no longer sort of works and then we have to start piece by piece repairing them we never we never go in and gut out a city we've never gone into your city you know or um and just redone it all from scratch there's just this Mm -hmm. these blankets of imperfections everywhere um in new york city right it's just a it's just a big it's layers upon layers upon layers of imperfections london or rome these are like older older cities um yeah, they're just blankets upon blankets of imperfections that um, have been taped up over time. Mm-hmm. So on the one hand, I would say, yes, I agree with you. The developing countries will jump. They will take the technologies of a certain time and they will, they will move to a, a new time period from this. But then to some extent, they will be then encased by that technological advancement for all time. There are certain elements of London that are very modern and very Victorian, but that modernization process is, that is continuously worked at and continuously fought for, not with ease, it's with great struggle. Yeah. Do, do, you, do you guys experience that sort of struggle to, <laughs> to, to push the, modern, the modernity um, of infrastructure or parks or... Um, yeah. yeah changing changing light switches and buildings <laughs> yeah yeah i think it's like to me it's also like besides the physical infrastructure cost and uh the challenging processes it's the mentality i think also how they perceive these modern cities that are built around the world with this glass towers and mm. you know highways and things as the ultimate goal and they don't really think of approach it in a way that like what's going to be better city in 10, 20 years or what, where it's heading. Mm-hmm. And then to just see what's out there now with its uh, problems and issues and try to emulate it here. You know, basically a lot of the people still think that um, tall glass towers and um, overpasses and highways are the it shows the Going development of the city. city. Yeah. Instead of thinking about what the human centered approach that's currently happening and the possibilities of technology that it could enhance that uh, experience, right? So I think for us, um, it's the mentality. We, we see that processes that w- this other cities went through is the way to go rather than seeing the potential, right? So, I mean, it's not a bad way, but I think it could be better. Mm. Well, that, I mean, that's awesome because I mean, I, well, it's not awesome that that's ha- what's happening, but <laughs> I think what's awesome, though, is that you're, you're telling me that there's a narrative on the ground that this desire for a, a human-centered city 
um, that's really responsive to the people of Ulaanbaatar or, you know, whatever city we're even speaking about within Mongolia. And, and then when you were there paying attention to that, you know, so this is where actually when people talk about technology and the fanciness of technology, that's where I say, well, data is supposed to be really helping with that because if we can, we come back to that, that's that role of what, what is data data is everybody's stories. You know, if we organize our data in a way that we're, you know, really listening, then actually, you know, a really technologically advanced city wouldn't necessarily be represented by glass or, or shiny neon lights. Well, those, those can be fun, but um, <laughs> it's more around utilizing those digital tools, like a sensor that, you know, pays attention to where people walk and collects data about where people walk or, you know, something that pays attention to the daylight or the, you know, the darkness in the city, right? Because you guys are so far up, you need to pay attention to the daylight of the building so that everybody can get as much as they possibly can or listening to what the people really want mm-hmm. and, and need and utilizing technology to collect that info, those stories. We call it collect that information, but collect those stories about what people mm-hmm. want and how they respond to that. And so if we use digital technology to do that, then that that's very helpful um, for those types of things, and that those are worthy, you know, investments and, and not actually super expensive. And those are getting less and less expensive in in any context. So, pay attention, paying attention to these skills and 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 training you guys on these types of things, and then listening to listening to people and what they want is is a really important feature of technologies, particularly digital technologies around data science and computing that that's good fundamental digital technology. So yeah, I, I would agree with you. Yeah. And that's not shiny towers. I mean, it, if you need a shiny tower because you need a lot of people in that shiny tower to do specific things, to build mm-hmm. specific things, then I'm all for a shiny tower actually. Yeah. You know, that's, that's really <laughs> if it makes sense, right? If it makes sense, if it, makes if sense. it works. Yeah if I listen to the data and that's what it told me to do and, you know, other stakeholders listen to the data, it also told them to do that. Then I, I would be on board. But so I'm not a person who says technology for technology's sake and it, mm-hmm. it's, it doesn't show up then. I know that's a really important. It doesn't show up. It just doesn't manifest itself. The shiny, that's cool sort of thing. We can get that at the movies. It's more, um, it's what people need. That's what really manifests itself. That's what really draws the economics behind it. Um, that's what really draws the technology to it. That's what really works. Okay. Yeah, it makes sense. I really like that approach. I myself, when I was at MIT, I felt that a lot of students would also sometimes really dismiss the humanities uh, segment of our classes, and I, which I thought was not a good way to approach technology. Technology on its own, without including that human aspect, to me, could be like a very dangerous. So the next question we were, I was just wondering, like we were wondering, you mentioned that movies like Black Mirror and other um, sci-fi films, mm. the future of cities or future of human life is gotten worse with technology. And what do you think about the possibility of that future? And what can we do to mitigate that unintended negative consequences of technology? 
Just wanted to hear yeah, your opinion on that. For instance, you know, if you go to Beijing, is like the closest big city to Osaka. Yeah. And if you go to Beijing now, it's impossible to pay with cash. You know, you have to have WeChat, and everything goes through WeChat, and you know that makes you know, you know, life really inconvenient for tourists. Yeah. Um, and I feel like is this you know, <laughs> in some ways it's an exclusion. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> And where and our city is probably gonna emulate after you know Beijing because if it works in Beijing, you know why shouldn't it work for UB? And, yeah. And I I don't know. There's there's a lot of things that yeah. we don't ask. Right. And yeah. also part of the part of the whole narrative is that the data collection and monitoring would be so extensive that there would no not be any privacy left for anyone and. The information gathered from you will dictate where you be placed in the society. You know, in some countries, these initial steps steps of these kind of monitoring systems are being um, tested. So, yeah, what do you think about that? Yeah, that's yeah, that's scary stuff. So, um, I'm not um, for that. Um, although I do, I'm not going to be naive. I know that that is a a part of what is happening with respect to the data science world. So there is there is a responsibility and an ethics that we talk about here at MIT all of the time because with with the ability to listen to collect a lot of different you know people and buildings and tools stories through data, right? I'm able to craft together a narrative where I would have a greater understanding of how people work or things work um, and I can then exploit anomalies or I can exploit people I you know exploitation becomes a very powerful thing and so the checks and balances around the use of these stories is is a definitely a continued dialogue that must be happen that must happen never endingly this isn't like something that we'll ever like fix this is something that we have to continue to discuss because this is a part of humanity. We tell stories and um, mm-hmm. and we have to continuously discuss how we share these stories and and, and who understands them in, in mass. Um, it would be ideal if we all were data scientists, you know? Um, <laughs> we'd be very good listeners. But um, it comes back to ethics and I, and I do become, you know, terrified around the idea that people would be monitoring um, people for for bad, instead of for for good, for being very responsive mm-hmm. and very mindful. And so, yeah, I, st- I opened up our conversation with this very utopian type of ideal, potentially, right, around, you know, a very responsive urban environment. But the counter, the counter to that is that it's very unequal. The people mm-hmm. who collected all of the stories um, exploits everyone and then takes all of their, you know, sort of doesn't take all of there, but actually exploits them financially to gather more and more money or more and more information. Um, and then cities become more unequal, uh, mm-hmm. more unequal than they already are. Mm-hmm. And so we need to push up back against that because actually we are in very much a, an inflection point in global capital, capital inequality um, driven in part by digitization. So it's the catch-22. It has, it has the, the possibility for great good and it also is, um, and it's moved our societies forward in, in amazing ways. But on the other hand, you know, technology has taken us back to some baser extinct. So we have to check that. So we have to continue to have a dialogue. 
there's no good response to this. It's a democratic dialogue that we must continue to have and check the data and check the ethics and ask for a stake or a care in your data, understand what's being collected in your about your stories. Okay. That's a, that's the essence of mm-hmm. <laughs> that's the essence of good quality city. Yeah. Having everyone you know taking part and doing their responsibility, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's a part of a modern I mean as we collect information about ourselves and store it and put it in our phones and people collect it and sell us goods and services and that's convenient for us you know we have an exchange that we're engaged in that we need to be aware of how we're operating in the modern world even if your infrastructure is not up to a 21st century standard but you still have a responsibility you have a digital realm right so we're having this conversation in a 21st century manner, if you think about yeah, it. Yeah, <laughs> totally. That's fantastic, yeah. So I think these are mostly our questions. And if you have any last like ending message or mm-hmm. statement or anything that you want to ask or talk about, yeah, please do. Gosh. So I think on the one hand, technology is an absolutely wonderful thing that we've always been up to as humans. And It's just like our greatest joint projects. We're always working on technologies. Um, we're always contributing. We're always making change happen. In some ways, it's teleological and it's progressive. And um, in some ways, it's, it, it draws us back into a, a time that's more base and, and less kind. And so I think we have this, this responsibility to be mindful of the, of the world that we're building and creating, especially in urban environments. My only hope is that it's responsive. It's responsive to the stories that we give to it and that we're very ethical for those of us who engage, you know, in telling these stories. I was trained as a financial econometrician. I'm a financial economist. I, that's what I did my PhD in. I teach data science and machine learning here at MIT. I, I spend a lot of time having these conversations with a lot of our students, but also with a lot of people in, yeah. in cities around the world. And I think what strikes me every time we really sit down and we talk about it is that we just really want to pay attention to people. Mm -hmm. You know, I spend most of my time when I talk about buildings and data talking about people, talking about what people, what people want and what people need. And so for all of the technologies that I gather information on, you know, and there's hundreds of them and all of the, the data sets that we gather and there's, you know, thousands of them what I end up doing is trying to tell a story about what people are up to and the, and the tools that they need to live and to work and to play. And so at the end of the day, your job in the built environment is just really responding to people. What do people yeah. need? Mm-hmm. Well, thank you so much, Andrea. And you know, you're, you're working, you're the co-founder and director of the Real Estate Innovation Lab at MIT and, and it's, it's where things are happening and right. you guys are leading, you know, what's happening in the real estate sector. Right. So the it's frontier big, of the yeah, <laughs> urban yeah. technology environment. Yeah, yeah so it's a, it's a real honor to speak to you. You can follow her work on Real Estate Innovation Lab's web platforms. We hope that everyone will keep up with technology in our cities. Thank you for listening. Mm-hmm.